Welcome to No Shame in the Home Game, the podcast that cares about how your home feels, not looks. I'm Lacey, your co-host and woman who's just trying to figure it out. Here today, of course, with my uh, knowledgeable co-host, Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Lacey. It's always so good to see you. I know. Sarah and I love chatting with each other, so this just ends up being just a delightful part of our day. Uh, yeah, and for 100% transparency, I was actually down with um, a stomach virus yesterday. <gasps> no! Yes, my son had it, I got it, and then I told my husband I had this today, and he's like, you should cancel that. And I was like, no, I get to talk with Lacey. <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm like looking forward to this. I will immediately lay down after this, but... No, I was like, oh, no, absolutely not. I this will be the best part of my day today. <laughs> That's how I am every day is I just have to lay down at the after this so I can relate. So happy. we're on the same page. <laughs> yeah. Today we are talking with Sarah Barry. So we're going to have two Sarahs this episode. We actually talked about that in the beginning of the episode. And Sarah is so interesting and captivating. I was telling host Sarah, we're going to have to be clear about that. Just how much fun I'm having just editing the episode because of how engaging she is. And Sarah, you know her from your day-to-day -day life. Yes. Yeah, so little backstory, Sarah and I met, our sons were in preschool together. I can't do math right now, but let's just say six years we've known each other. And she was my first client with my previous business because like we comes up in the episode, she has some chronic health issues. And so I came in and was helping her where she physically could not do things. And then so she has actually been with me every step of the way with my from that business to this business. And she has been a full on beta tester, supporter, cheerleader. She yeah, she at one point, she says something about Sarah taught me when something comes easily, you don't realize it. She actually taught me that. <laughs> I was like, Oh, yeah, we've been hanging out long enough where our stories just flow like back and forth like that. That's awesome. I love yeah. it. Yeah. And you're gonna learn about uh, Sarah's household in this episode. And this is I don't want to say severe challenges, but just the different considerations that have to go into making her household run. And so there's a lot we get into this episode and it is weirdly heavy, but also light at the same time. Which I feel as though that is life in a nutshell. Yeah. Life is heavy and there's no avoiding that, but I think we get through life by making it light and as long as I've known Sarah, that's how she's been. And she really highlights what I bring up a lot with this work, which is we only have three buckets of resources, time, energy, and money. And yes, as you'll hear with Sarah's life, all of those buckets are on empty. But the more things that are making the buckets empty, the more things that actually need to be dealt with. So it was really a unique, and I hope I really hope somebody listening maybe feels a little bit of just solace knowing, oh, somebody else has as much going on in their life or even more than I do. And that's just that whole thing of you never know what's going on in somebody's house. Like, yeah. we got to cut everyone so much slack. Because as you'll hear with Sarah, she's got a lot going on behind that door. <laughs> she does. She does. And if you enjoyed Alex's story, the beginning of her story last week, don't worry. We're going to hear from her in two weeks because the first three episodes here are going to be introducing you to our participants. So this week is meeting Sarah. Next week 
you're going to meet a very special guest, my husband, Joe, and we'll uh, start our story too. Let's jump into our conversation and meet Sarah. Today, we have our first episode with our participant, Sarah. So we're going to have two Sarahs in this episode. So get ready for Sarah Squared. I'll let host Sarah take it off from here. Thank you, Lacey. Yes, Sarah and Sarah. It's I know a lot of Sarah. And it's always fun when I like leave a voicemail or something. I'm like, hey, Sarah, it's Sarah. So funny. As a Lacey, I don't know any other Laceys. So I know I posted something about this yesterday. I'm listening to a book that a character's name is Lacey. And I just keep being like, oh, not me. They're not talking about me. (laughs) Very weird experience for me. Very normal for you all. Yes. Lots of Sarahs in my life of our generation. My name is Sarah. I'll be the host, Sarah, who's helping guest participant, Sarah. And I am. I first just want to make sure this is said right up top. I am so thankful to guest Sarah for being willing to share everything. Well, not everything, but you're going to share some <laughs> highlights, question mark, highlights. <laughs> Of what's been going on in your life in the past two years. And I appreciate you being vulnerable. And I've said throughout the past two years to you, I think it's great to share what's really going on because somewhere in the world, someone's also having an equally difficult time. And just to know you're not alone in the depths of the barrel of life is comforting because we can often feel alone when things are more difficult. So thank you for sharing. I'm going to ask you if you want to introduce yourself, just the basics, who you are, just however you want to introduce yourself to the audience. Yeah. So I'm Sarah with an H at the end. My high school best friend was also Sarah without the H like you are. So we were also referred to as Sarah squared. So I'm quite used to that. (laughs) So I live in upstate New York with my husband and my two kids. They are 13 and 11. My husband and my daughter both have ADD. So we have a lot of executive function challenges in our household. (laughs) My daughter has a lot of health issues, nothing catastrophic, but enough that being her medical manager is its own part-time job. And then my personal background is that I have a rare genetic condition called Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, which has actually gotten a lot of media attention in the last couple of years because there's been a few celebrities that have gotten diagnosed. So people are starting to hear about it. And then I also have this condition called dysautonomia. So basically those two conditions add up to the fact that my body's just more fragile than other bodies and it can't self-regulate a lot of stuff like temperature, heartbeat, all the things. And I'm, yeah, it's just impactful in my life in that it's, it just affects how I live my life. That's all. I just want to say I'm also a dysautonomia gal. No, really? I am a very strong vasovagal syncope response, which I've always just passed out a lot in my life. And now I'm going through my own health issue. We don't know what it is. My sister has multiple aspects of dysautonomia. So she has the true diagnosis, whereas mine's just one of the like 12 that under the category. (laughs) But I'm like, got it. Yep. My body is a drama queen and overreacts to everything is really what it means for me. Perfect way to describe it. And it's so confusing because I don't know how to describe to people like, oh, I feel so sick. Why? I'm breathing too fast and my heart's too fast. And we were laughing last night. My 13-year-old is getting ready for a class trip to Washington, D.C. 
and we were talking about snacks to pack. And you can tell she lives with me because the first thing she said is, oh, we should pack Gatorade and saltines in case anyone's blood pressure gets real low. (laughs) I was like, oh, I don't think any of them will know what that is, but that is actually a great plan. Yeah, I've got my little sick lady card and in it I have my salty snacks and my powdered Gatorade things so that I can stay hydrated. Yep. In two observations as me being an outsider, knowing Sarah for, I don't know how long it's been, six years maybe? Our sons went to preschool together. So I've known Sarah for several years and I'll say, even though her body is like a delicate flower, her spirit is strong, like sharp. Like, (laughs) so it's very interesting that for how strong your internal like personality and soul is, like your body is not. And I also know watching you from the outside, it's really difficult because you don't quote unquote look unhealthy. And so I know that's a real challenge because people will assume you look fine. And I know inside you are feeling you have nothing left because of all those conditions. And so I know that that's like an added layer of, again, educating the public on, no, I look fine, but I feel like crap. (laughs) Yes, that happens all the time. I'm also a very petite person. And so I have like a slender body, which people comment on a lot only in terms of, I don't want to say not believing I'm sick, but maybe just a little bit of cognitive dissonance in their own minds, trying to reconcile how orchid-like and (laughs) fragile I am. What a lovely way of saying it, orchid-like. That was Sarah. She came up with that because I was mentioning my inability to thermoregulate and how I like the concept of nature, but like being in nature is a little problematic. And she said, you're just like an orchid. You just need the one temperature band and the one humidity band, and then you're perfect. You are speaking to my soul right now. (laughs) (laughs) I am going because I've always had my uh, strong vasovagal response, which has led to my dysautonomia. But recently with all of my stuff, it's gotten more sensitive. I'm still trying to figure out how to dress during this time oh, of where no. any minute I could be sweating or freezing. That's where I'm like, I've learned that these larger button ups are my friend. I actually <laughs> don't sweat at almost at all. Oh. <clears throat> Good for you. I feel like um, I sweat all the time. <laughs> but I do want to say I I want to validate that experience of not people looking at you and not seeing it. I'll be honest, I'm not brave enough really since I've gotten sick to be my true sick self in public. I don't leave my house if I ever think I won't be able to make it. And my husband the other day was like, you could use one of those scooters at the grocery store and go with us. And I'm like, I can't do that yet. Uh, I have have several pictures of me in those grocery store scooters because my husband thinks it's the most hilarious thing (laughs) in the entire Yeah. (laughs) I have a walker, but I only use it in my house for when I need it. Like these are still things that I'm learning to accept. So it's I, hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to be, to have it be so public. Mine are all very sort of secret, but yeah. like a walker is public and a chair mm-hmm. is public and my, oh, you know what, Sarah, this goes to the top. I actually forgot to put this in my bullet points of things that have happened in our last two years, but my 11 year old just lost hearing in one of his ears in just a freaking unlucky way. And so he had to get a hearing aid. And I was telling him what you were saying. I said, if you go and you're brave and you go to school 
those kids are going to look up to you because one day they're going to have something that they have to be public about. And so if you show them it's not a big deal and we all have our aids of various types, then you're going to empower other people. And so, yeah, we were just talking about that whole concept in my household. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. We went on a major oh. tangent. Sorry, I get excited hearing people talk about this stuff. I want to, we will get back to your past two years because that is going to play into everything with how we're going to approach plans. I'm not going to say solutions, but plans for you. Okay. But before we get there, we're going to go, we're going to ground this in talking about the things we'll talk about this with all of our guests, which is first of all, are there any rules from your childhood? that your childhood home, I know you grew up with a single mom and an older brother. Are there any rules that you realized were unique to your family, but you didn't realize until you grew up and started sharing a home with somebody else that you're like, oh, not everybody does. Um, Yes. In the inverse that my home literally had no rules. My parents got divorced when I was 14. So my formative years before being launched into the world My mom was a single mom and working two jobs. My brother was much younger, so he was living with my dad. And she just had a chaotic and challenging life as a single mom. So all these things that were very normal to other families, I did not understand. Honestly, even into my 30s, I got to my freshman year of college and I thought to myself, man, my roommate is obsessed with washing her sheets. I feel like all she does is wash her sheets. (laughs) Now, in retrospect, she probably washed her sheets once a week or maybe once every two weeks, like a normal schedule. And then when I met my husband and we got engaged, his family was very like Norman Rockwell-esque, normal, really. And so they had all these opinions on how you do and don't do things. And my family was just very feral. My brother and I always joke that we're going to have a podcast called Loved But Feral. And that was exactly how we were very loved and very left to our own devices. No rules of any kind. And that, and I love that you brought that up. And it really gets to the heart of my work in this podcast, which is we're all brought up with a different set of rules. We think that everyone adheres to the same rules, right? But we don't. And there's actually no right or wrong way. You still survived childhood. You were loved. You got food. You made it out into the world. And then what happens is when there's points of tension, right, with either your spouse or the people you're living with, or if something's not working, that's when you start to peel back the layers of why why don't I have a system for this or a base knowledge? And I always go back to that car example. It sounds like essentially you never had the driver's, the equivalent of driver's ed to drive a car. You never had like home ed, which is just usually it's passed on almost like non-verbally just by observation. So I love that you shared that (laughs) loved, but feral. And then are are there any, are there any non-negotiables in your home that are important to you that if you had to just die on a hill at the end of the day, this is what I care about most in my home. And it's okay if you don't have any either. So I find this a very interesting concept that I've thought about a lot over the years, because I will say that my personal parenting style is now very written and spoken about, and that is very recent. And it was not for the first 
uh, so my daughter's 13. So I want to say for the first 11 years of my parenting. So I, the two men, the two hills I will die on is kindness and my own mental health. So that is a very discussed topic now in terms of what they call maybe gentle parenting, but that was, there was never language for that. My first 11 years of parenting. And because I have a chronic illness, I think I just figured out early if I'm doing things a certain way, but it's making me yell at my child or making our home stressful, it's just not worth it. And that even goes against some pretty popular stances like manners. So I am the first to admit my children, like when they walk into a room, they do not greet all the grownups. And that is on me. I have not taught them that is a polite thing to do. I'm, they say please and thank you. And we talk about table manners and stuff like that, but we, we do very little performative manner because it just felt like it felt performative to me. It just to me, I'm not judging anyone else's parenting. So yeah, I just realized, and I, uh, that's the one and only piece of parenting advice I give to other parents is however you need to structure your life so that you're prioritizing your own mental health do that. If that means timeouts, if that means no timeouts, the whole bandwidth of everything that could mean. So yeah, those are my two kindness and my own mental health. I really like that because that actually goes to the next question, which I ask people is what is your desired home feeling? And I love that you are so clear on that. And then that's what drives everything else because yeah. At the end of the day, who cares if your kids know how to greet adults in a room, if they don't feel kindness and that their mental health is a priority, then it doesn't matter. So I love that. Yeah. And do you have in your home, I'm laughing, I'm trying not to burst out into laughter because I'm going to ask you, do you have a favorite home task or a least favorite <laughs> home task? And I'm laughing because I've known you long enough to, to have a hunch about what you're going to say, but I want to hear what you say. Do you think my answer is going to be none of them slash all of them? <laughs> By the way, don't worry. <laughs> I do always say if I had like just enough more money where I could be not comfortable, but past that, like wealthy, like I just want like an Emily Gilmore type live-in maid who just cooks a couple meals and like tidies and cleans. That's all. That's truly just all I want. I just want someone to even come to my house for two hours a day. That's all I want in life. I, Least favorite is all of them because they all yes. hurt me. Yes. Yeah, so I th and again, I think this is great because everyone has a different answer to that. And so I appreciate you being honest. <laughs> favorite is I'm intrigued by. Does anyone have a most favorite? Yeah. I actually do enjoy. I, I learned this about myself um, with one of my first jobs. I love before and afters. I actually love vacuuming with a clear vacuum canister because I can see the dirt building up. It yes, gives me that's this, incredibly it gives me, satisfying. It gives me a zing. Yeah, there's certain things that fulfill me and there's certain ones that bring me like, no, like doing the laundry doesn't bring me any joy. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that I'd go so far as to use fulfill with any home task. 
Oh, I just, I love before and afters. If you've ever had a really dirty lampshade and then you take your attachment and you start vacuuming around it and then you can see the before you vacuumed and the, and it's side by side. Yes. <laughs> this goes back to what Lacey and I were talking about where we started, which is this picking stone. There's something about just, I don't know. It. I don't know what it is. It's the equivalent of that. What is it? ASMR. The oh, audio. Yes. It's the equivalent to that but with um, tangibles, but so yeah, I do enjoy that. Sarah and I are hard at work in creating the home CEO course. If you are interested in the home CEO course and potentially being one of our founding members, you can go to noshameinthehomegame.com, home CEO, and sign up for the waitlist to be notified as soon as it goes on sale. That's no shame in the home game.com backslash home CEO. I keep track of so many different things, whether it's from the middle, no shame in the home game, all of the different business ventures that are part of those things. And I also keep track of a lot of things in our household from things that we need to repair and do and flows, all of that stuff. And the thing that I use to do all of that is Notion. Notion is this amazing blank slate where you build your own app and database depending on what you need. They have some amazing templates to help you get started. But once you get in there and start using it, you see how things work and come together. And it is magic and easy and beautiful. It's like a to-do list meets a database with workflows. And then you can even get AI right into Notion to help you come up with words when words are hard, because let's be honest, they are. We have a link for Notion to help you potentially. If you go to noshameinthehomegame.com backslash N-O-T-I-O-N, you can get a link into Notion and potentially sign up for a plan. They do have free plans and paid plans. If anything, go get a free plan because it is so cool and you'll fall in love like me and become a notion advocate. What is, can you just for our audience, we don't need like exact, an exact detail, but your household, can you just describe basically what is the property that you're managing? So we have a, a two floor, three bedroom house. We live on a half acre of land that the previous owners, it's highly uh, landscaped, which we've tried to cut back on, but it's a high maintenance lawn <laughs> and we have two cats. I think those are the basics. One more animal. Oh, no, wait, you've got two more sets of animals. Oh, we do. Yeah, we have a leopard gecko and we have a very large fish tank that I've secretly come to call grief tank because we have always had fish, but not very long after my husband's father died this fall um, on one crazy evening, our regular size fish tank, the glass exploded oh. and we were left with running to PetSmart at 8.30 at night or whatever. And my daughter offered to go with him and I knew exactly how this was going to play out. And I sent a multitude of text messages. And all they said was like, replace, don't upgrade. Replace, don't upgrade. We can upgrade very quickly. Replace, don't upgrade. Oh, and they walked into the home with such a large 
aquarium that I'm awaiting a piece of furniture to put it on because it's so heavy with all the water, it actually can't go on regular furniture. It's on our kitchen peninsula at the moment. And it is massive. And it <laughs> consumes it consumes easily one tenth of your peninsula. If not like, more. Yes. If not more, I'm trying to like do math in my head, but it's yeah. significant. And I bring up the gecko and the fish thing because those have to be maintained. You have to buy supplies. You have to maintain it. Like that is another taxing element. Plants, yeah. I put plants are below the threshold, but gecko and fish tank are other things you have to consider. Yeah. Now, in your home, is there anything, and I'm really curious to hear what you're going to say because I don't know. Do you feel like there's anything that works really well that doesn't take a lot of effort that feels more automatic to you and your family? Oh gosh. Honestly, right now, the answer is no, because in our last two years, we've had many bullet points of things happen that we'll talk about later. I think there have been in the past, but right now we're so deep in the life hole. I don't know that there's too much. That is, there's plenty of things that aren't working that I don't stress about. Food, I don't stress about. I get grocery delivery. I, I honestly, there's many meals where I just, my kids know that it hurts me to cook, so I don't cook. And so they just go to the pantry and we stock up my daughter. Actually, both my kids love Boost, which is like this high protein drink that they typically serve in like nursing homes for people to gain weight. And so that is always in our pantry. They love chocolate Boost. So I, probably to anyone else's eyes, it's honestly not working great. And it does not stress me out even one single bit. I'm curious about that distinction. It sounds to me like it is working well. And that the reason why you would say it doesn't stress you out is because you don't care about it. So I just, I almost would argue that it is working well. You're right. So I guess the distinction would be my husband and my son both very much prefer meals. What could be qualified as a meal? I could never have a meal for the rest of my life and be fine on string cheese and Cheerios. And my daughter is the same way. But every once in a while, my 11-year-old, he'll be like, can we just have a meal? That is an interesting distinction that we haven't really talked about yet, Sarah, of like consensus around these systems working. Oh, yes. Um, I don't know. Just a little, as you were talking, I'm like, oh, this is really interesting. And a way of looking at it, of it doesn't stress you out, but you don't consider it working well because half the household isn't necessarily a fan, but they're going along with it because you have to, because that's life and and making life work. So just, yeah. And I do find ways to help the other half of the equation. There's some frozen meals that my son likes. He had one last night where you like dump it into a pan and you heat it and now it's a meal. Mm. I don't know that my husband's that easy. He is the chef. He very much likes to cook. It's his happy place. So when he's just recovering from knee surgery now, so when he's not injured, he very happily likes to cook meals for dinner. I do want to take away a quote you said, which now I want a graphic tea that says I'm deep in the life hole. <laughs> but I think that's a powerful tool that you said. And I honestly, some of my clients, I have a harder time getting them there, which is adjusting your expectations to meet life where it is. And you are very clear. The food is working for you because that's what you can do. 
and you have found solutions. But if you're living with the expectation that you're only feeding your family, if you sit down at the table and have a fully cooked meal fresh every night, if that's your expectation, then you're going to be falling short. But you've adjusted your expectations to my family has food, they are fed, they have all the calories they need. I've given as much as I can of myself and I'm not going, I'm not going to stress. I think you're ahead of the game in that sense, because I, I spend a lot of time with clients explaining, okay, we can adjust expectations, but we can't necessarily adjust your energy levels. It's a good tool that you already have embraced. <laughs> and honestly, it's it, it was the benefit of growing up without rules with such a different, maybe alternative household. But again, I very much kept strands of the loved but feral household, and it's made it so that I've been easily able to adjust to life with chronic illness or things that life throws our way. And like you said, in, I'm sure in talking to your clients, it's similar. And when I talk to other people who I feel like are stressed out, I feel like there's a lot of invisible rules of life that it doesn't honestly even occur to people to bend or break mm -hmm. or disregard. I just had a conversation with someone recently when they were talking about there's everything is a pendulum in parenting. And so there was helicopter parenting for a while. And now I feel like we've swung back and it looks like we've swung back to trying to make kids responsible and learn life skills, which of course is absolutely my goal and is wonderful. And I do as much as I can. But recently I had someone say to me, your life is very hard right now. Like, why aren't the kids doing their own laundry? They're absolutely old enough. And I just said, you know what? They absolutely are. And when I have the bandwidth, they do their own laundry, but it's not as simple as that because that's a lot of emotional and just straight up time management. It's frequently way easier for me to just grab all the stuff that's on the floor and toss it in the washer, regardless of who, what person in my family it belongs to, rather than taking the kids and being like, okay, grab your stuff out of this bathroom and this bathroom and walk it downstairs and take the instructions. And it's a lot of management that I often don't have emotional or physical bandwidth for. It, it goes back to that thing where I feel like I just do a lot of things differently than maybe people would want to do them. And again, you've just, you've hit it on the, the nail on the head of the whole purpose of this podcast being there's no one solution that's going to fit everyone. The solution that's unique to you is going to work for you because of all these elements that we're discussing. Like you said, it's just easier for you to throw the wash in yourself right now. You know that you want your kids to learn how to do that, but if it's going to sacrifice the kindness and the mental health in your house, then that's not going to happen. And so yeah, it's just not worth it sometimes. But you also have it in your mind. Yeah. When I'm feeling differently in our situations differently, then I'll put some spoons to that area, but it's not right now. And you, and that's a good point too, that management takes spoons, just that act of managing other people. And honestly, for me, and this is where I always say, whatever drains your tank is going to be highly specific to you personally. Maybe it would drain your tank to have to the thought of having your kids eat dinner from your pantry. Like maybe that thought is more stressful to you than cooking. And I'm sure that's true for many people. And so I think you just have to find 
your own triggers because they, again, they might not be what you think. For whatever reason, my energy drain is management because I have two little lawyers that I live with and little baby lawyers. And it does not matter what we have set up ahead of time and what parameters and all the things they tell you. So frequently, I feel like, do you live with actual children? People writing these articles and making these podcasts and Instagram reels. Do you live with an actual 11 and 13 year old? Because it does not matter what I would set up ahead of time. I'm going to get lawyered on the back end. And that for me is so draining. It's just, oh my gosh, it's just so draining. And I watch other people who other things drain them and managing and lawyering doesn't drain them at all. So they would have a different thing they need to adjust. Yes. I'm writing down being aware of our unique drains. I also think sometimes we take for granted the things that are natural for us and we couldn't even know how to explain it to someone else. I know Sarah and I have talked about how somehow my kids have learned that my kids are two and four socks go in the laundry basket on the first floor. I don't know how I taught them that. I wish if I could bottle that and spread it around to everything that I need to great. I don't know how I did it, but it worked. So we're just not going to mess with it. And so I think that's what I think about your, like the thought of having my kids make the decisions to find something to eat is scary, but I'm like, oh, that's because that's just not how our household runs. And that's fine. Sarah talks about that a lot, about how nobody knows what their own zone of genius is and that. It's so helpful if you can point that out to your friends to be like, hey, you might not know, but you're actually really good at this thing just to feel better about yourself, to recognize what you're doing right. Because as Sarah has taught me, when something is your zone of genius, it comes so easily to you. You don't even recognize it in yourself because it wouldn't occur to you that it's not that easy for everyone. Yes. When I work with clients, as we did with you at the beginning, I I like to ask what works well. That is harder than saying what isn't working. I always say home management that is going smoothly is unnoticed because when it's not running smoothly, it's when you see piles of laundry, piles of dishes, you can't, you either have too much of something or you can't find something. I can't find the bill. I can't find the turtle. I can't find my left shoe. The points of tension are very clear, but yeah, that smooth operations you don't realize that, yeah, part of it is a credit to your unique skill set, but it's almost invisible when it's easy. So. It is. Yeah. And I, I wish we had a more graceful way to change that. <laughs> well, and I like to lean into that with my clients once we figure out, and it takes a little digging, what works well, what comes easily. Then I try to replicate that with the systems in their homes that aren't running as smoothly. Okay, let's tap into whatever that zone is that you have. And we're going to do this over here. But it just takes a shift in mindset and some personal, some taking some personal stock of what works well. You're a business owner who cares more about people than profits. Although you still want to make some money, of course. And that can feel mighty lonely. That's why I created Feminist Founders, a podcast that explores how to build a more equitable world through entrepreneurship. I'm Becky Mollenkamp, a coach and journalist, and I'm excited to bring you stories of people who, like you and me, are trying to change the business landscape for good. Check out Feminist Founders wherever you listen to podcasts.
love that you've shared everything about your home and we've alluded to and touched on your past two years. So me helping you at this moment in your life really hinges on where you are now because of your past two. If you want to give the audience a little peek behind the curtain of all of the huge things you have been juggling, again, with your personality of steel, but your orchid-like physical body. (laughs) What has been on your plate in the past two years? So I'll start at the end and I'll say the reason we recently got together is because my husband just had knee surgery and it's the type of knee surgery where he has to keep his leg perfectly straight for six weeks and on crutches. So there's almost nothing you can do in that setting aside pain levels. So for any family, that would be a pivot if the person who does the physical labor in the household, which is mostly him. I can clean okay. That doesn't hurt me too much, but everything else, cooking and lawn care, that's him. The reason that's a bigger pivot is because it comes on the tail end of these, honestly, just two years of nonstop traumas. And each bullet point could be its own podcast. So I will save our listeners the length and I won't elaborate. I'll just give you the bullet points. So it started two years ago. We were one year into COVID and I sneezed. And because of my Ehlers-Danlos and a lack of collagen, I nobody knew it at the time, but I blew out my disc. And so it was seven months of excruciating pain and medical treatments to discover that sneeze had blown out my disc and I needed spine surgery. And then while I was waiting for my spine surgery, I got appendicitis and I needed emergency surgery for that. One month after my spine surgery, my 12-year-old told me she had been self-harming and that she was profoundly depressed. And this led to It's complicated, but it led to a falling out with our very best friends, friends that were family that we had vacationed with and shared multiple dinners a week with. There were some situations we just couldn't see eye to eye on, and it it ended up with a very abrupt fracture that was permanent between our two families. So yeah, so that upended our world, but I honestly, it took me a full year of full-time mental health management to get my daughter stable. Anyone who's dealt with that knows how complicated of a beast that is, especially when you're 12 years old and you're coming out of a pandemic and middle school and our healthcare system in America. So that took a while. And last fall, my husband's father died very unexpectedly. And the way it unfolded was traumatic and is still very traumatic. And then after that happened, his relationship to alcohol, which was always not the healthiest, devolved into very unhealthy. And addiction is its own beast. Anyone who's ever dealt with addiction or lived with an addict knows how complicated of an issue that is. But he very bravely got sober several months ago, and he was newly sober, looking forward to the spring his, we live on a golf course and his big mental health activity is golfing because you get to be outside and you're walking and you're in nature. And on the first day of golf season, he tore his meniscus and blew his knee apart. And so it's, I, I don't even know how to describe 
like how bottom of the barrel it felt when that happened because everything in our life had just been shattered. Oh, and as I mentioned before, our 11-year-old lost his hearing along the way, again, just through terribly unlucky circumstances. And so that was a long protracted thing to deal with both logistically and emotionally. Thank you for sharing all of that. My heart, I've just, I have so much compassion for everything you've been through. And so thank you for sharing that. And then on top of everything you mentioned, it's all of your medical appointments, your kids' medical appointments. And then your kids are both very active with very, lots of different activities. Yeah. So you manage so much of all the running around and the doing and the scheduling and the, and I always talk about how moms, a lot of the times end up becoming the emotional managers for the family. So you've been emotionally managed. Oh my gosh. Yes. All of this. And it's a lot. It is, it's so much. And we talked about spoon theory, how, especially already having a chronic illness, you only have so many spoons to give. And then, so when you add trauma upon trauma, you're like, whoa, I was just trying to use my spoons to just take a shower. (laughs) Yeah. What is, yeah. So that is just so much. I I feel like you deserve, I don't even know. We talked about, we always joke about having a reprieve for busy, overwhelmed moms, like up in the Adirondacks. It's like some kind of um, cozy cabin where you can't, you can only whisper and people hand you puppy dogs and you have to wear really soft, comfortable clothes. And there's people who politely come and bring you everything you could ever want. And all oh, you can yes. do is pet puppy dogs and read books. Sounds oh. perfect. I feel like you deserve a year of that by now. So we just met one of our participants, Sarah, and you will be hearing more about her journey in a couple of weeks because we have three participants in this season. So we'll meet each one and then we'll circle back. And we're going to end today's episode with our moment of gratitude. Quick recap. It is a combination of moment of Zen and being thankful for things. So our moment of gratitude, which Honestly, I don't think we can have too many moments of gratitude in our lives. Never. And so I will start off the top of the hour. I mentioned uh, I had a stomach virus earlier, and I can't tell you how thankful I am to have two bathrooms in our house. We actually have two and a half baths. That sounds like bragging. But to when you're sick and you can have a bathroom to yourself, I have shared I have shared so many living spaces with people. And when you're sick... You do not want to have to climb off of the bathroom floor so somebody can come in. <laughs> and you don't want to have to be the person outside waiting. No. Ugh. So, yeah. So all day yesterday, lying on the bathroom floor, I just thought, I'm so glad we have two bathrooms. <laughs> we don't have two bathrooms. So I am grateful for you because it is hard. We have a I, half bath in the basement, but. It's- I actually thought of you. I was like, I don't know if I want to share that because I know Lacey doesn't have more than one bathroom. And then I was like, I'm going to feel like I'm bragging. <laughs> You're not bragging. I'm You're really being thankful. appreciative. I'm, that was one of my non-negotiables with getting our house that we bought. I said I wanted to be able to park two cars in a garage. I wanted to be able to have my own bathroom. And I wanted central air and a wood stove. And I'm so glad I held out for all of those, which apparently is a unicorn that I didn't realize was going to be. The wood stove. That's where I'm like, I don't, we wouldn't be, you can't find that in the Midwest. We, 
We could have added one post-purchase, but mm-hmm. the central air, so actually I'm in upstate New York, central air is not standard because oh. it usually, prior to the past five years, it usually didn't get that hot, but I have migraines triggered by pollen. So I was like, nope, got to have that AC. I'm like, I'm not messing around with the AC. Yeah. No, if we didn't, if the AC wasn't in our house, Joe would burn everyone's life to the ground. He needs it to be cold all the time. I I actually had this HVAC company and I was talking to them and I was being appreciative of what they do because that's my MO. And she said, thank you. I really appreciate your patience. And she said, I'll tell you in the wintertime when people's heat goes out, they're much more understanding. She said, when people's AC goes out, she goes, that really brings out the worst in people. <laughs> you can put sweaters on that. And that's, I will always rather be cold than hot. Yeah. You can always put more on. You can only take so much off. And as I'm we've right. heard literally in this episode, I am very sensitive to temperatures changing <laughs> and will be down for the count if I get too hot. Let's see here. I am appreciative of so many things this week. Can I do two? I just, I have two and I just need to get them out. Ah, One, I joined Threads last night, the new Instagram app that's like Twitter for Instagram. It's, it is so joyful for me as a writer who came into being a writer as Twitter was burning. (laughs) I've always had this, like this, oh, I have to create a graphic to be able to post something about my writing. And now I can just write these little threads and not have to worry about a graphic. So I'm just so thankful for that. Also, it's the most chaotic, bizarre energy over there right now because everybody gets access, like everybody got access at once, right? A lot of other apps, it's like, you've got to get an invite and then they do a slow rollout. But this, they did a rollout in like hours instead of days. So everybody's trying to figure out and it's just people being silly. And I love the silly chaotic energy. So much joy. Wait, I just have to highlight for the listener. And that is so lacy, first of all, to (laughs) jump in two feet first of something that's brand new. Love that. And that's so not me. And then I love that you're like, it's this chaotic energy. I would be, I would be like, nope, shut it down. And you're like, yes, this is my happy place. I love it. You know, I love to figure something out. And so I am just enjoying it. I'm enjoying that everyone's in that same space. No one has a leg up. And it's such a weird communal experience that we don't experience often. Like millions of people who join this app in these first 24 hours, we're all doing the same thing. We're all trying to figure it out, but it's also comfortable enough that it's still looks, it looks like Instagram, the interface is similar enough. So you can jump in and do it. I don't know. I wrote a whole blog post about it today because I just, it's such an interesting moment where like, we're all self-aware enough to know that this may or may not last. And we know how to use it. And and then it brings in some of your Instagram contacts. So it's just so interesting. I don't know. And then the other thing that I am grateful for is a vet very close nearby because our sweet dog Indy has a tumor on his leg that he has gotten at and created an open wound. And Joe got him to the vet on Monday. He's going back on the following Monday. And I guess I'm also thankful for a husband who's constantly up on re-bandaging this open tumor wound it's oh talk about life hep coming at you sarah literally was sitting here on zoom with me and joe while the doctor the vet's calling 
to give results in what we need to do. It's just been an interesting week. This morning, I literally passed out. So I like I fainted. And then the moment I could get myself up, I had to get myself up to get Indy to sit in a spot so Joe could wrap his bandage. And I'm just like, yeah, this tracks. Well, and I admire your level of acceptance because you are younger than me. And at, at your age, I did not have that level of acceptance of of these shit sandwiches. Like you, I was sitting there when the do- when the vet called and you were like, yeah, okay. Like you just were... St- you were just so calm about it. That is really admirable. Like you, like we said in the beginning, life is hard, but we can choose to be light about it. And because it, the heart isn't going to go away. It's not. And I think it also helps that we had a, a dog previously who had a lot of health issues. So we've been down this road. Like I know what I'm I'm going through. Yeah, it I it, it's so much better to be lighthearted about it for me at least because I could go down a real rabbit hole. Indy is my first real pet. We got him because he and I had this instant connection. Literally, we saw him in an adoption event, knew we couldn't get him that day, but came back two weeks. He was still there. And I was like, Joe, that's my dog. There was just a lot of stuff to it. And he's my he's my companion. He's with me all day. Mm-hmm. So I could get real, real savvy about it. But instead, I'm just going to feel grateful for the vet, the husband who takes care of it, and the fact that Indy's like the best dog in the world, that he... Even though he has a cone on, he's still desperately trying to not get at the spot on his leg. And you can see him trying. And he's just the sweetest. So, yeah. Part Indy. Part Indy. He's the best. The best, the best. And I added to it when this all came up that thank goodness it happened the day before the 4th of July. Because, yeah, going to an emergency vet on a holiday, that's a whole (laughs) other beast. Yeah. That is something else. Absolutely. Next week, folks will actually get to meet Joe and hear all about Joe and my household because we are uh, the third participants this season. So you'll get to hear a lot about the inner workings of my household. (laughs) Which, and I just, I still go back to, I hope the listeners realize the appreciation of you and your husband and Sarah and Alex willing to share this a journey, which we're all having, but part of the point of the show is to pull back that curtain and be like, yeah, we're all dealing with stuff. And yeah, I could tell Joe felt a little, he wasn't even hesitant to share it. He was more like, why would anybody want to hear this? And I'm like, because this is the good stuff. I know the nitty gritty, the details, that's where it's at. So yeah. Awesome. Thanks everybody. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks, Lacey. Thanks for listening to No Shame in the Home Game. We hope you can take a little nugget of goodness to use in your own home. Remember to subscribe to the podcast in the player of your choice, like us on social media, rate and review, and share us with all of your friends and maybe a couple of non-friends if you want. You can always visit joyfulsupportmovement.com to learn more about No Shame in the Home Game and other joyful support podcasts. While you're there, you can join the newsletter or sign up for the Joyful Support Village. Now go out there and spread some joy.